Well, hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, I would love for you to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, and then I'm really excited for you to be with us today because uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with when I was in Minnesota at a church, uh, her name is Julia Holtz. Uh, she is preaching for us today as a guest preacher and continuing us in our series on Galatians. And I'm going to share a little bit more about this uh, in the actual recording, but I thought I'd say this now too. This is the first time that we have had a woman preach from our stage on a weekend service. And uh, that's a big deal for us at Life Church. We're uh, part of the ECC, which is the Evangel- Evangelical Covenant Church. And uh, it is a denomination that is absolutely in support of women pastors and preachers. And, um, and so we at Life Church have just not had that opportunity, have not engaged in that just yet. And so I'm excited that we're doing that today. This is a big deal. This is a celebration for us. And so I hope you enjoy. Uh, Julia is also just personally one of my great friends um, and, and a mentor to me, actually, in a lot of ways. And so uh, I hope you experience Jesus, encounter Jesus through her message today. Uh, definitely enjoy. You can have a seat. Yeah, this is a good start to the day. Um, For those of you just now listening on the podcast and uh, you didn't have all of the worship music, you might be a little confused, but hopefully you have some energy going as well. Uh, I'm going to get right to the point. I have a friend standing next to me. Her name is Julia. Everybody say hi, Julia. And uh, she is a friend that I got to work with and David got to work with back in Minnesota uh, a couple years ago and had a blast getting to do ministry together. And uh, I, I mentioned something in my sermon last week, if you were here or you got to listen, uh, about our denomination. We're part of a denomination called the ECC, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And it is a denomination that is empowering of women, pastors, and preachers, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. And there is, a, there is a voice that we get to hear and a perspective about God that perhaps we have been missing, and now we get to celebrate this voice today. Uh, one of my goals, actually, was to work on, uh, along with Nathan, is to uh, bring the voice of a woman to be able to preach and teach about God's Word, and it has shaped me specifically from Julia, and so I've been very excited to have her. I'm also thinking about this, too, and I wanted to mention this, that I have two daughters, and some of you have young women in your family that can grow up seeing that, man, I can talk about God, and I can talk about God's love in my life, too. And so I'm super excited uh, that the women in our church can grow up knowing that there's a voice that they can emulate. So without further ado, would you please welcome Julia Holtz. Goodness, good morning, Life Church. I have been anticipating saying that phrase for months, and I could barely stand it. I was so excited to get here. This is such an honor and a joy to be with you. I want to tell you a couple reasons why I am so honored and so excited to be here and to see you. Um, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. No matter where you are in the world, we're just glad to be together, and it's so awesome to be able to do that no matter where we are. But, But let me tell you why I was excited to come to Michigan. 
Um, one of the first reasons is because I was really eager to see this amazing group of people who were so compelling, they were able to woo not just one, but two of my friends and their entire families from Minnesota. I, I'm, I'm not bitter. I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just need to say this. You know, uh, yes, you've heard um, Pastor Jared and David Booth and their spectacular wives and their children were ministry partners and friends. And, and it just means a lot to me to see their new home and to see the people that they are doing life with. And so I am glad to be here with you. There's another reason why I was really eager to get here, and it's because I have been traveling a journey with you this summer through the book of Galatians. I have been leaning into the messages. And let me tell you what my thoughts were as I listened as an outsider listening in for the first time to this church. And, and my first uh, thought is, I want to encourage you, church, will you pray for your pastors? Uh, yeah. Yeah. These are brave pastors. Uh, because you know what? Here's what I heard. They're not doing messages to just get butts in seats. You know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we can get tempted to do well. We know what makes people happy, and we all love Jesus, and Jesus loves us, and we go out and live exactly the same way. But here's what I heard. I heard pastors who love you, who are passionate about Jesus, and who want this to be a community that is transformed and transforming so that you can go out into the world and love like Jesus did, and begin to correct some of the distortions that people have outside the church about who Jesus is. And so I have, I have so much hope for this church. I really believe God is going to use you to change the world. And so it is truly a privilege for me to be here with you. So today, I get to speak on a passage, passage in Galatians 5. Now, you know this by now if you've been here and listening to these messages um, you know that Paul wrote this letter to the church of Galatia, and Paul was, he wasn't very happy. See, they, they had been living the life with Jesus, and then some voices came along, I, we, the Judaizers, and they began to confuse them, and they began to incorporate laws and rules into this faith of grace and love. And so Paul is writing this letter to remind them, and we have now moved into a section in Galatians where Paul is talking about a way of being that is about freedom and life and love. And so I get to speak today on the topic of the spirit versus the flesh, the spirit and the flesh. And I will say in my decades of doing ministry, whether as a pastor or as a spiritual director, this has been the number one question that I've received. Number one. So many people have said, how do I know? How do I know if I'm living by the Spirit versus just having my own thoughts and doing what I want to do? How can I tell the difference? Well, Paul has some really significant things to say about this, and so I'm excited to bring this to you. Now, before I dive into the text, I just need to, I need to ask, how many of you are list makers? List makers. You know, yeah, I'm seeing hands going up all over. I'm a list maker. Oh, I love my to-do list. I've got my priority list. I've got my bucket list. You know, if you have kids, you start putting together your chores list. Yeah, students are elbowing their parents right now. Lists are good. You know, they can help us stay focused, and they can help us feel a sense of achievement. It doesn't feel good to check off those lists. So lists can be really good. 
Now, I have to confess to you that um, I just set you list makers up. I'm really sorry. You can send me back to Minnesota. Um, I'm setting myself up because the section we're going to look at right now has two parts of it that it is so tempting to turn these into a list of do's and don'ts. And what I want to say to you is that if we do this with this passage, I believe we have the potential to do more damage than good, that we are no different than the Judaizers, that, that actually we are communicating and perpetuating this image of Christianity being this behavior modification program instead of an intimate connected relationship with a living God. And so if you are someone who has studied the Bible and you have, have read this passage, it's a familiar passage. I've preached on it many times. I've never preached it the way I felt God called me to preach it to you today. I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, will you help me? <laughs> will you show me this in a fresh and new way? And let's see what God wants to do with us today. So, if you have your Bibles with you, will you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It starts out like this. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I promise not to go sentence by sentence. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I wonder, are many of you are probably thinking, oh yes, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Nathan did a great message just a couple weeks ago talking about the Holy Spirit being the presence of God. And, and we think, yes, I want more of that. But then I also wonder, are there some of you who are thinking, eh, I'm not so sure. You know, maybe you're like me where you grew up in a church when you were little that talked about the Holy Ghost and you didn't want anything to do with a ghost. That's how I was. Or maybe you hear this and you think, well, I'd like a little of the Holy Spirit, but oh, does that mean I'm going to get weird? Oh, I don't want to be a weird Christian. Oh, students, you know what I'm talking about. You want to live out your faith in school, but you don't want to be labeled one of the weird Christians. I get this. I get this. There's, there's lots of perceptions of the Holy Spirit. And no matter where you fall on this spectrum of understanding the Holy Spirit, here's what I want to ask today. Will you stick with me? Will you stick with me in this? Because Paul describes the Holy Spirit and what happens when we walk in the Spirit and we're guided by the Spirit. And it's so beautiful. I know every one of you is going to want more of this. And so stick with me. All right, let's see what Paul says. I'll say it again in 16, 516. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. All right, what is Paul saying here? This is quite a mouthful. So let me tell you how I interpret this section. What I hear is Paul saying, if you're human and you're breathing, which I think most of us are, well, then there's something going on inside of us, every one of us. There, there are these two opposing forces that are in conflict with each other, and they're trying to pull us in different directions. 
And Paul describes the sinful nature. Some of your Bibles might call it the flesh. Jared talked about this last week. In the Greek, it literally means our physical body. But Paul's saying there's something more to it. And, and Jared described like living for the self. And what we know from this section is that this flesh life, this sinful nature, well, it craves something. And, and as it craves, it moves us in the opposite direction of the Spirit of God. So that's one of our natures. But then there's another one. There's another force within us. There's what I'm calling the spirit nature. And, and this spirit nature, it's about you, but it's also about God. And as we become more aware of God's presence, we just sang that, and as we realize we have this God who is with us all the time, and this God longs to connect with us, not just out here and in our circumstances, no, deep within us. And when the Spirit is, is when we open ourselves and from the most vulnerable, deepest part of who we are, we grow in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I can tell you this, always leads us to greater connection that brings life. Greater connection with God, more and more of God's presence, but also greater connection with one another, always. So if the Holy Spirit and our spirit nature leads us deeper into connection and into life, well, then the sinful nature is the opposite of this. The flesh, it leads us into disconnection, into separation, into isolation, and ultimately into death. These are the two opposing natures. And, and so we begin to wonder, well, how do I strengthen one so that one has greater power in me? How do I strengthen the sinful nature? There are so many ways we could talk about this this morning. So many ways. But I want to tell you, as I prayed, the word, there's one word that kept coming to me over and over again as I thought about you. And, and here's what it is. It's something that can help us discern, and it's the word connection. Connection. And so I want to invite you to ponder this question, are you living the connected life or are you living the disconnected life? You may not have the answer to that right now, but chew on that. Are you living the connected life or the disconnected life. About a year and a half ago or so, I made one of the biggest decisions and hardest decisions of my life. I, I had been at work at, as a pastor in a church, the same one that Jared and David were in, and, and I loved this church. I loved many things of what I was doing. But I could not deny this deep stirring from deep inside of me. I wrestled for quite a while on this. And, and here's what it was. It was this desire to be outside the church, to be a safe place for people to come and process and work through their faith. And, and I had no idea the journey that God was going to take me on. But I will tell you, it's been probably the most transforming year of my life. In the last year, year and a half, I've had close to 60 people come and meet with me. Many of them, I have walked a journey with them for months, a spiritual journey. And some of them came from within the church, and they just needed a place to say, can I say this out loud? These are my thoughts. Are these crazy? And, and they just needed to be able to share some vulnerable things. Others came from outside the church. 
And along the way, they have been hurt by the church. And what I describe is, is that they've given up on the church, but they're hoping they don't have to give up on God. And so I have sat with all sorts of people as they've processed their faith. And many of them have described some things to me, not all, but, but something that sounds like the disconnected life. They don't know who they are. They, they feel disconnected from their own voice. They, they feel lonely. They don't have relationships. Or they feel that God is far away and they don't hear God. And what was so beautiful about person after person was a couple things. Number one, I learned that I didn't have to have the answers. In fact, I shouldn't have the answers. That as I learned to actually become a, a more safe person that wasn't quick to give answers, there was something that happened in them. They began to open up more and more from this deepest, most vulnerable place inside of them. And I will just tell you over and over and over again, I have watched the Spirit of God connect with them and begin to move in them and show them how deeply they are loved. It's changed me profoundly. See, Paul wrote many letters in the New Testament, but one was also to a church in Rome. And there's a Romans chapter 8 is much about the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, if, you have, if you're interested in this, go read Romans chapter 8. But Paul says one thing in this, Romans 8, 16. He says this, For his spirit, the spirit of God, joins with our spirit. This breath that is inside of us, this most vulnerable place, the place that can't be measured by a doctor in us, but it's there. And it gives us life. It gives us breath from the beginning of our lives. His spirit joins with our spirit, this deepest place, to affirm that we are God's children, that we are deeply loved. See, the Holy Spirit wants to be let in and connect deeply with us and wants to meet our deepest needs. Yes, our flesh needs food and water, but actually we need something so much deeper. We need love. We need security. We need belonging. We need connection. And see, our sinful nature craves all these things, but our spirit nature doesn't have to crave them because we're connected to the source of all these things. And so this is what God is longing for us, is to know the connected life. You know, this battle in us has been going on since the beginning of time. Do you remember in, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the man and the woman to be in an intimate, connected relationship with them. And a voice came along and confused them, much like the Judaizers with the Galatians. And, and they began to turn, and they walked, and they went in the opposite direction, did the one thing God asked them not to do. And what happened? The Bible says that they began to sew together fig leaves to cover up their most vulnerable parts, and they went into hiding. And guess what? We've been doing it ever since. We get hurt. We have regrets. We have these feelings that we just don't want anybody to know, and we go into hiding. But God felt that disconnection, and he came to the man and woman and began to say, where are you? Where are you? He knew. But he was saying, come out of hiding. Step out of hiding. I'm here. I want to be with you. Turn back to me. 
And God's been saying this to us ever since. Friends, I have a hard question, and you may not know the answer to this, but as you look inward, is your spirit hiding from God? Is the deepest, most vulnerable place, is it hiding from God? Or are you open to God? This is what I think Paul is trying to tell us. With that said, let's look back to Galatians. And this is the part where it's so easy to turn this into a list, a list of do's and don'ts. But, but here's what I want to ask you to t- see it in a new way today. Would you see it today as Paul painting a picture with words? And, and he's painting a picture first of the disconnected life and then of the connected life. I can paint a picture with words. I have two daughters, um, and I could tell you that they are beautiful and kind and my delight, and they are funny. One of them is feisty and fiery, and you would want her at every party with you. The other one is kind of the human form of Cinderella, and I'm not exaggerating. She sings, and birds answer her. So I have just painted some pictures. If you want to see pictures, you can come up to me afterwards. I'll show you them. But this is what we can do with words. And so Paul paints a picture, and he says this in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you live the disconnected life, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Okay, quite a section. Now, I want to bring to you that if we turn this into a list of do's and don'ts, there's just something that happens with our human nature. We begin to evaluate. And we start going, well, at least I don't do these things. But they do. Oh, you know them. And what happens? Disconnection. Or we do see ourselves on, these lists, on this list, and we start going, oh, no, if, if anybody knew. Uh, yeah, I, they wouldn't want me at this church. And we go into hiding, and we disconnect. See, I don't think Paul wanted us to look at this as an all-inclusive list. That's why he has and other sins like this, because every one of us should look at it and say, what do I do when I disconnect? See, when we paint a picture like this, well, then we don't go into self-righteousness. We go into compassion. We don't go into shame. We go into humility. And then God begins to work in us. See, painting a picture shows us that all of us crave this love and this security and this belonging and this connection, and we have these desires, and desires are not bad Desires are good, but if these desires are not connected to the real source of love, well, then they become distorted. And then we begin to use things in order to fill this desire. And we begin to use people, use achievements, use sex, use workaholism, use perfectionism, put your word in there, whatever will help us fill this void but it's a counterfeit connection that never satisfies, never. 
It just leaves us craving more and more and more. Have you heard the TED Talk by Johan Hurry? He is the one who said uh, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. That's what we're longing for. Paul goes on as he paints this picture. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now hear me on this. I do not believe that that is a punishment for these behaviors. I don't believe in a punishing God. What I believe this is saying is this is the result. If you're moving in the opposite direction, if you're craving things and moving opposite of God's presence and God's ways, well, then you're moving in the opposite direction of the kingdom. God's kingdom is based on God's presence and his ways and his love. So what do we do? Some of you are, are, are feeling this right now. You know that your flesh nature is craving, and, and you're like, well, how do I get it under control? Here's the good news, very good news. Jesus Christ is the antidote to the disconnected life. You read story after story in the Bible, and Jesus walks out this connected way of living. He is always connected. He's the only one who never went into hiding. And he's the only one who lived 100% of his time connected to the Holy Spirit. And he always knew that he was the dearly loved, beloved son of God. And out of this place of being so connected to God and so connected to who he was, he went out and he invited everyone else to come in and to be connected with him. Ultimately, Jesus went to the cross and he took all the results, everything in that list and then some, and he took all the results of the disconnected life on himself. But he took them all the way to their end result, which is death, and he died on the cross. And he did it for you and for me. But he didn't stay dead, did he? Mm -mm. No, he rose again. He rose again, and when Jesus rose again, he said to the whole world, you never, ever have to live disconnected from God again. Never. Nothing can separate you from my love. Turn to me. Come out of hiding, and let me show you the connected life. In John 14 and 15, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he was preparing them. I, I'm going to go away. I, I, I have to go away, but I have, I'm, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send my presence. I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to join you and to lead you forward on the path of life. And, and I'm like a vine, and you are the branches. And if you remain connected to me, connected to my spirit inside and out, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's look back at Galatians now. And let's see what Paul paints, the picture Paul paints of the connected life of the Holy Spirit life. He says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. See, all these words 
we use in our culture, and they sound very normal. And if we try and do them on our own, I have to tell you, it just doesn't go very far. But oh my, when we are connected to the vine, and this is the fruit that begins to build in us and transform us from the inside out, it produces a supernatural fruit that allows us to connect with others, connect with anybody, connect with, with those who are so different from us, we are able to connect with them because suddenly we know a love, not just flowers and butterflies. I'm talking about a supernatural love that is so strong we can love our enemies and even love ourselves. That's strong. There are words like, like peace in here. And I'm not talking just a pleasant peace. No, I'm talking about a peace that fills us and we walk in peace, but we also work in the world to bring peace to all people. This is a peace that tears down systems that prevent peace. And so people, no matter who they are, no matter the color of their skin, their background, their, their education level, their theology, God can use us to bring peace to all people. Self-control. In a supernatural form, now our spirit nature is so strong that it begins to leave that sinful nature in the dust. These are the words. And Paul says that there is no law against these things because this is not about a list of right and wrong, right answers, rules. This is about a supernatural way of being where we are connected to Jesus Christ and to the presence of God within us. This is what Paul is talking about. This is offered to every single one of us every day. Now, I know that I'm talking spiritually, <laughs> and there's a lot of mystery to this. And, and sometimes when I have to speak on the Holy Spirit, I, it just, words feel so inadequate, and so I've asked the Lord to go beyond my words. But here's what I want to do. I want to try and get practical with you, as much as I can be. And I want to talk about, so how do we begin to strengthen our spirit? How do we learn to more and more walk in the Spirit? And here's what I want to do. I want to look at a story from the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about a man that you've been talking about all summer. His name's Abraham. Remember him? Abraham, the one who was given the promise that he would be blessed to be a blessing. I want to share with you what I've learned about Abraham. His name originally was Abram. And Abram's story begins in Genesis 12. And in Genesis 12, 13, and 14, we cover many years of Abram's life. And God has invited him to go on a journey with him. But here's what their relationship looked like. God spoke, and Abram did it. God spoke, and Abram did it. Sounds good, but there's something missing. Abram's voice. Never does Abram speak to God. See, many believe that because Abram was raised in a, in a culture that had many gods, and these gods were scary, and if you didn't obey, you might get struck by lightning. And, and you just didn't want to get them angry. And so that's how you lived, kind of protecting yourself. And so did Abram believe that this was just one of the gods and he just happened to pick him out? And did he see him as scary? I wonder if some of you have grown up in a home where God was, as one client said, you mean he's not an old man that just puts rules for me? Maybe you have an image of God that God wants to correct today. So everything changes for Abram in Genesis 15. 
where God says to Abram, I will be your shield and your great reward. Now, Abram, many people believe that God was saying to Abram, I'll protect you from all the surrounding enemies. But I recently heard a Jewish rabbi speak on this, and here's what he said. From a Hebrew perspective, he said that they believe that God was saying, Abram, where are you? You're hiding. Abram, you have shields up over your most vulnerable places. One of our biggest shields is the one that covers our most vulnerable voice. And God is saying, Abram, lower your shield. Trust me to be your shield. Trust me to, to, to protect your innermost being and also to bring you rewards like you've never known before from me. And so Abram speaks. Now, wouldn't you imagine that Abram would say, praise you, almighty God? Yeah, no. Mm -mm. Let's see what Abram says to God the very first time. He says this. O oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Oh, that's quite a statement to God. When Abram lowered his shield and allowed, trusted God to meet him in it, he began to say his longings, his desires, his disappointments. God, my wife and I have been infertile for decades, and that's all I wanted. Your, your blessings really don't matter to me because at my heart I just wanted a son. God doesn't strike him with lightning or get angry. In fact, I, I just see the presence of God wrapping his arm around Abram and saying, let's step outside for a minute, shall we? And just saying, you know, Abram, you are going to have a son. And I want you to, to look up at the stars and, and come out of your narrow way of thinking and see the bigger picture because guess what? These stars tell a story that you're going to have so many descendants. There'll be too many for you to count. Abram, trust me. I'm with you and I'm writing a story with your life. See, this is how it begins. We come to God and, and we have to lower our shields. See, our shields are hard and they divide us. And, and, and they divide us, they separate us from God. And, and it's because there's no shame in this. We've learned to protect ourselves. And so when we're with people who are different, politically, theologically, you name it, our shields can go up. But God says, oh, trust me. Lower your shield. See, God as our shield is powerful, powerful enough to protect the innermost part of our being, and yet somehow it's pliable that allows us to love and to, to connect with one another no matter where we're at. This does not mean we don't have boundaries. We do. But God in his shield show us how to love the people who are with us. This is something we have to practice. I was sitting with a friend of mine a week ago. I was, it's an hour earlier in Minnesota, and so we were waiting to go to church, and we were sitting at a picnic table, and she started sharing with me, and she started telling me some hard things that are going on in her life. And I'm listening to her, and, um, and I'm thinking, well, uh, what am I going to say, and, and, and what should I possibly say into this, and, and when am I going to get to tell my story? Okay, I'm so embarrassed. It was all about myself that I was thinking. But all of a sudden, I heard this just whisper, Julia, are your shield's up. And I thought, oh, yeah, 
See, I have shields of being a people pleaser and a perfectionist. I got some pride in there. And all of a sudden, I began to say, just pray silently as I'm listening to her. Lord, I'm going to lower my shields. Will you be my shield? Will, will you come and just show me how this works? And as I sat there, I can't explain it, but, but something began to just shift in me. And I began to lean into her, and I began to see her with different eyes. And I suddenly began to ask her more questions. And, and all of a sudden, I began to find myself saying, Lord, I want to bless her. You've blessed me, but you know how she needs to be blessed today. Will you show me? And we began to engage in this beautiful conversation. See, my friends, this is something we need to practice. None of us do this perfectly. We need to practice this. Are our shields up? Are we hiding? Or are we willing to trust God to be our shield, to protect us, and to take risks and be vulnerable? I want to share three action steps. If you are interested in, in knowing this more, if you're longing for more intimacy with God, more connection with God and with one another, Here's what I recommend. Number one, will you spend time with God this week? Maybe set down your devotionals and your tools and, and just spend time with God. Just sit with God and, and ask God, God, do I have shields up? Or maybe you have some things that you've been afraid to say to God and you just want to let them rip. I promise you he will meet you in that. Maybe for some of you this sounds so scary. You had hard things happen. Where was God when you were a child and some of these things happened? And you have perfected self-protection. Can I just tell you something so sweet? See, we have a God who is loving and kind and gentle and patient. All those words of the fruit of the Spirit describe this God. And our God will meet us. And if you're only able to lower your shield this much, I promise you he will meet you in that and he will be delighted and he will encourage you. So we need to just spend some time with God and just engage in this conversation. I do want more of you, God. Will you help me trust you to be my shield? Number two is this. Begin to notice when you are connected or disconnected. Oh, list makers, this is where you might shine. See, begin to notice. Uh, some people do a contemplative practice called the examen, and many do it at the end of the day where they look back over their day, and, and they know that God was with them the whole time, but sometimes they felt life and connection. Sometimes they felt disconnected, and they didn't feel life, and, and they just begin to notice it. And not to go to shame, but list makers, you can start to even write these down and go, okay, what triggers me to turn away from God and to try and master it on my own? And then don't go to shame, just turn back and say, God, forgive me, I want more of you. Will you strengthen me to be able to walk with you in this way? So begin to notice. When you're sitting with somebody like I was last week, go, are my shields up or down? And see what God wants to do. Number three is this. Practice real connection together life church practice this together practice being a vulnerable and safe community yes i'm so glad i got that whistle i've been hearing you all summer so thank you i've been waiting for you um practice the vulnerable and safe community 
Lay down your rules. Lay down your right answers. Turn to God. Turn to God first. Open to God. But then turn to one another and start asking questions. Look for God in each other's stories. Listen for God. God, how do you want me to bless this person today? And then will you pour out on one another love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Life Church, this is my hope for you. My hope for you is that you will never be known as a church where the messages are to put butts in seats, even though these are darn good messages. My hope for you is that you become known as a church where people can come here and that your shields will be down because guess what? As our shields come down and we learn to love people, their shields come down and that they can walk in a way in the presence and discover the presence of God and they can discover real connection in community. That's my hope for this church and I believe it's happening in our midst. Here's what I want to do as we close. I, I want to lead you into just a moment of prayer of connection. And then David is going to sing a beautiful song that you don't have to sing along. I actually wanted to, the Holy Spirit to wash it over you and let it be continuous, a part of you coming out of hiding, lowering your shields, and knowing God. So will you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, put your hands in your lap, but face them upward with an open position, a posture of open connection. And let me pray for you, Life Church. Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us alone, that you sent your spirit. And God, I pray for anyone who maybe has never known you, Jesus. Maybe they are finally defining the disconnected life and they don't want it anymore. Lord, will you give them the courage to turn to you and the joy of turning to you and to lower their shields. Lord, for anybody who has a misperception of you and you seem scary, will you also give them the courage to turn to you and then discover that actually you are a God of love who's so delighted to connect with them. But for all of us, Lord, for everyone hearing my voice, Lord, will Will you meet us right now as we lower our shields? Will you show us life with you as our shield, as our great reward? Great reward? Will we hear you saying, step out of hiding? I want to meet with you and connect with you for all of life today and all of eternity. Thank you, Lord. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And I pray that you are able to experience um, a newer form of a connected life with God's Spirit. And as Julia said, you know, how do you know? It's hard to know sometimes. It seems a little abstract. And so um, I pray that you take uh, notice of some of those action steps that she has given us uh, in order to live that connected life with God. Also, uh, I want to invite you, if you are inspired by what God is doing at Life Church and you want to partner with us financially. I would like to invite you to give. You can do that by going to lifechurchcanton.org/give and you can learn how your giving makes an impact as well as uh, learn about the steps for how you can go about giving. Uh, also, make sure to connect with us. If you want to fill out a connect card like Julia mentioned, uh, go to lifechurchcanton.org/now and fill out the connect card. 
Hope to see you back here real soon. Have a great day.